0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Mental Health Mukbang, where we try to make mental health easily digestible. Uh, my name is Jed, I'm a therapist based out of Los Angeles, California. And today I have a um, bowl of instant ramen and two eggs.
1: I'm Christopher Vo, I'm an LMFT based out of Houston, Texas. Uh, today I've got a spicy chicken sandwich and some uh, homemade chicken noodle soup.
2: Yum! I have something different today. I have a Korean red bean popsicle because it's a really hot day over here. So that's what I'm eating. Oh, I should introduce myself. I was so excited about the food. I'm Jeannie Chang, a licensed marriage and family therapist in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm Jenny Wang. I'm a
3: clinical psychologist in Houston, Texas. Today, I have the Power Grain Bowl from Zoe's Kitchen.
1: Nice uh so yeah so today we'll be talking about boundaries in action uh just different examples right because in the past two videos we talked about uh how to identify healthy and negative boundaries right but it's a little bit more complicated than that you know you have different power dynamics and different types of relationships so Jeannie, uh i know your specialty is like corporate and the workplace right can you talk a little bit about boundaries and how they apply there
2: how much time do we have? No. Um, the corporate workplace, I think it's. I think boundaries are really tough, especially because uh, it, just in general, you wanna look good. And I'm not even talking about Asian American across the board, people who wanna move up the corporate ladder. You're, it, you're, it's very fast paced. So I'm saying this because I think people overstep boundaries a lot to get the job done and then go beyond that. And that's actually what a lot a lot of what I talk about, being not boundaries per se, but just taking care of yourself and having that work-life balance and understanding what stress looks like and how you act out in that. So I think boundaries are very blurred in the workplace. Uh, I would call them uh, not so much enmeshed because they're not enmeshing, but I just really think they have to be better defined. And there is a lot of the employer, employee boundaries That is a whole different dynamic. And I believe one of the people on uh, the Facebook groups talked about workplace gaslighting. I'm bringing that up because I think that is very prevalent. People just think of gaslighting in abusive relationships, but by the way, you can have workplace abuse. So I I don't know if I'm really answering the question to say it's very complex. uh, And I think every organization has its own culture and is very different, but there are not clear boundaries as in, You know, one department has boundaries, and this is the way another department is. Not at all. I really believe the individual in the workplace has to define his or her own boundaries for their own mental health, their own emotional, social, and psychological well-being. So that's usually what I try to do. I mean, I'm talking about it as a whole, mental health in the workplace, but I'm really saying, hey, you, I'm talking to you individually. You have to define it for yourself to make sure you're taking care of yourself because no one's going to say, hey, here are the boundaries. Don't do too much. By the way, there's you remember the double bind? The d- double bind, do you guys know the double bind?
1: I know what a double bind is.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, that happens a lot in corporate America where you get two different messages at the same time. Don't work too much. By the way, I'm gonna add these 10 projects on your caseload. And so the message is, okay, so which one do I do? That's That also inhibits good boundaries. So you end up going ahead and doing more of that work because your employer gave it to you or your boss gave it to you, even though the message is, we're trying to have a good work-life work, life balance. I'm talking about that because that in itself, I feel like can be gaslighting, where they're yeah. given those two messages and then the person's like, well, I don't know what to do, so I'll choose the lesser of two evils, which is to do all the work. Yeah. So boundaries need to be much better in place and that's actually a lot of what I try to do and talk about that, but not in the word boundaries.
1: So you mentioned that that term, workplace gaslighting, and I think, like you said, it, it is really prevalent because when you're given those two mixed messages of, hey, like, you know, we're, we're trying to have a good workplace balance, but also here's all of this extra work, the subconscious thought that gets internalized is, I'm not fast enough or I'm not good enough. So I have to do more, try harder, right? And especially when you're on salary, uh, workplaces do love to take advantage of these different things, right? A lot of work complexes are built with that in mind, obviously pre-COVID, where they have like, you know, entertainment centers and gyms and uh, restaurants and all that stuff. It sounds lovely, right, to have all those amenities, but they do it on purpose so that you never leave work, right? There, There's always a, a monetary value attached to all of these different things. Mm.
2: You brought up a good point. Sorry, I'm super passionate about this. That other double bind message of, you just talked about it. Unlimited PTO, by the way, most corporate organizations have unlimited pay time off. People barely use them because that thought of, oh, we have all the PTO we can use, but by the way, we, we have so much work to do, we can't use the PTO. So that right in itself is a message given across where you feel bad taking your unlimited PTO. And there's so many people I see who don't take it, um, and then they're forced to take it maybe two years later when they have to take it because of certain reasons. but. I'm bringing that up because that's another where I see boundaries coming into play.
1: Yeah.
0: So I think we should get into a little bit more detail about what we, what those boundaries look like in action. Like when we try to put that into, when we try to enact boundaries in those types of situations, what are some examples of how that plays out? But that's
1: the the difficulty of work. (laughs) place boundaries right because I feel like whenever people try to enact boundaries in the workplace they feel like they're walking on eggshells right because they don't want to get in trouble there are very clear um, punishments if you you know exercise those boundaries in in certain occasions and I think a lot of times people will play on that threat right I had a job where uh, I was a case manager before I went into grad school and I was in charge of 30 clients and uh, she fired one other person when she saw that I did a lot of work. And then the third person went on a maternity leave. So then I ended up being in charge of 88 clients. And at one point, my max, I was working like 130 hours in two weeks, something like that, 140 hours. It was ridiculous. Like I literally would sleep for six hours and then go back to work because they were failing their audit, right? And then how did they reward me? With paid time off, that I couldn't take because I was the only person in the office, right? So what do you do when you feel like your boundaries are being disrespected in a workplace? I think the best thing you can do, honestly, my, my advice is to find, figure out as much as you can about a company culture before you step into the workplace, right? Ask people who work there, talk to management, try to figure out, you know, Go on Glassdoor, ask all these different questions, because like Jeannie said, you know, the company culture dictates a lot of what uh, actually happens when with boundaries and action at workplaces.
2: I had to mute myself because I couldn't. Anyways, I don't want to hear myself eating. I was going to say, I agree with that. I really do. And I also would say, let's just say, um. One of the other important things to help you get through something like this at work is to find your colleagues. You know, you, there's always strength in numbers. I'm not saying you're going to band together to to fight the system, but to have that support, that really helped me. And it sounds like we have our own experiences, Chris, but mine definitely where what I ended up doing is actually quitting. So I did, ha- if that, I, I tell clients, hey, if that is the best decision for you, where you may need to take a career switch, actually quit the job because in the end, you want to be sustainable and, and and just not have this job literally ruin your work life, your family life, et cetera. That was a decision I made. Um, it's been a while now or a couple of years now, but still. Uh, and people are like, hey, Jeannie's a therapist. But I was actually in corporate workplace using my skills. But again, there were no boundaries. CEO calling me at 11 o'clock. P.M. Yeah. Sorry, not 11 o'clock, a.m. P.M. And, you know, that's just not good, So,
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of, you know, with boundaries in all examples, I think it's very important to identify when your boundaries are being crossed early on and be consistent and firm, right? Because with, at, the, at the very least, workplace tends to have very clear um, duties, right? And I feel like work will always, if they can add more responsibilities to you, they will because there there's always work to be done, right? so just be firm very early on and if they still encroach on you you know i would have that conversation with management with whatever um in a soft way you don't have to be aggressive about it and if they continue like as opposed to people who blow up and burn bridges and things like that exactly what Jeannie said look for another job find a place with a better culture use your networking I know you're in uh private practice jenny but have you ever had experiences with anything like that
3: um so for sure i think during graduate training and postdoc and internship years i think those though are very different because they're time limited right so in the sense of like you're hustling you're working hard because you have a, an overarching end goal you're trying to get licensed you're trying to get your degree da, da, da. Um, and so there's that kind of environment. I think for me, that was in a way kind of acceptable. There were boundaries crossed, but I was willing to take it because the cost of fighting that was really high for me. Like I would have had to find a different postdoc. I would have had to find a different supervisor for licensure and things like that. And so I think it's not as black and white as they crossed a boundary and then I must always say something. But I think Chris is right in that, We need to identify when they're being crossed and eventually if it gets to that point where it's like this is really harmful then yes we need to have those conversations um i remember you know in private practice early on um i I was an independent contractor with somebody and there were just different things that made me uncomfortable and i remember thinking man i don't think i could say anything i was so much younger it was their practice And so even in those settings where, you know, you feel like maybe there's ethics and morals and all these other things involved, not just time and energy, it's hard. It takes a lot of inner kind of courage to speak up and say, hey, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is um, the way we should handle clients and different things like that. Um, and, And I think for me in managing that has always been, what is my end goal? Right? If I was going to stay there for 50 years, I might consider right trying to change the system. Sure. But if this was a short term thing that I could, you know, get what I needed and move on. Oh, maybe I wouldn't say anything because there was something else I was trying to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard in like work setting because this is like a livelihood, right? Like you need to pay the bills, you need yeah. to. And so I think yes, quitting eventually and finding a different job is certainly an option. But um, I feel like the, the cost is really high as compared to like relationships, right? Breaking up with a boyfriend, friend, you know, conflict over that. Um, there's just so much more nuance and so much more at stake, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's true, right? Sometimes the power dynamics don't allow you to speak up about boundaries. Like when Jeannie said, when the CEO calls you at 11, it's really hard to tell a CEO no, right? So it, it, it just gets complicated um sometimes you do have to mitigate your expectations uh when it comes to boundaries and yeah i
2: was just going to share uh jenny brought up a good point because i wanted to clarify that time frame of when i ended up quitting that job was actually a period over 16 months not that long but if you know day three your boundaries are being crossed and something is wrong 16 months is a lifetime so i share this because it's not it took me that long which even people are like that's only that's such a short time but it took me a long time to, I had to like, a. I had to figure out what I was going to do and I think I planned my exit for like 15 months. So I'm just being honest where that, that is sometimes where it's like not black or white, but I was trying to exit because I knew every time the, from day three when something happened, I just went, no, I, mm, I didn't realize this. And it was a mistake that I made, but that's okay. It's a, it's a good mistake. But yeah, that's, it took me a long time. So sometimes to clients, it could take time. But at least if you have the hope of you knowing what's going on and you can have a plan on how to exit a position you're in or whatever that looks like. Right. So
0: going back to uh, what uh, Jenny was saying, I feel that there is like, I think there have been several situations for me at work where I was just like, yeah, I know that. My boundaries in terms of what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do are being crossed, and like I had some ethical concerns, um, and yeah, I think there are there are times where you realize, hey, this isn't it's not worth it for me, and you to do what it was that I was doing, and sometimes you just have to realize that there's there are a lot of different factors that you need to consider before making a decision, like quitting your job or like um, deciding that the workplace is not like deciding whether or not it's worth it or it's even possible for you to change the system right and one of the biggest issues I have especially when i'm working in community health is there are systemic level issues like like county level decisions that are made that i can't control Right. And no matter what I do, no matter what I say in my organization, it's not going to change because at the end of the day, the the organization doesn't make the rules that this is like a county wide thing. And so there are certain battles that you just realize that you cannot, or is not worth your time to fight in your current situation. And you just have to say, Hey, like my boundary with what I have to do ends here, but my boundary for something else, makes things a little bit more complicated. And I think work is one of those things where there's so much nuance depending on your company policies, your union if you have one, the dynamics between like the different people who are in charge. Like there's just so much going on that it takes a lot of effort and energy to try to navigate that. And I think when it comes to boundaries, it is really just acknowledging what you can and can't do and what you're willing to and willing not to do and finding an okay balance between all of those things because very rarely are you ever going to find a work situation where you're just like this is the perfect job because something like that there are it it doesn't really exist because there's so many things you have to give up on one one end or the other and i think it uh part of it is just kind of being realistic about what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And I think that's, that's kind of the nuance of boundaries, right? There's going to be different varying shades of acceptability for each person and finding a place where you're not violating like your core boundaries, but you're also acknowledging like, hey, like this, there are certain things that are kind of immovable things in the system. And I think Yes, we should fight those things on a systemic level, but there are limitations to the amount of energy that we have in any moment to make those efforts to change those things. I think if you're somebody who has the capacity to dedicate their time to doing that, like more power to you, and I would love to support you, but for me personally, I have to choose my own battles because I know there are certain things that I can and can't do, and there are certain things that I have the energy to. and. There are certain things that I don't have the energy for and I think that kind of makes things tricky and it really is a determination that you a lot of people have to make for themselves right
3: <clears throat> point about kind of the ter- determination based on each person I think this is where it comes back to You know, to me, I feel like boundaries are set based on, there's an echo, so boundaries are set based on how much we value ourselves. So if our self-worth and self-esteem and all of that is not great, we are much more likely to believe that we can't advocate for ourselves because we might lose our job if we say something, right? We don't feel like we have an inherent value to take ourselves somewhere else and somebody else being able to value us more. Um, And so I feel like this is where therapy comes in, right? Like if you struggle with, you know, feeling like you can advocate for yourself and really struggling with ideas of self-esteem and worth, this is gonna translate into how you show up at work and establish those boundaries. If you feel like you don't deserve that, you feel like you should just be the workhorse of the company, that's what you will be because other people will make sure that happens.
1: I think that's such a good point because it has such cross-applicability to relationships and friendships and all the other boundaries as well, right? That feeling of self-worth. So what do you do in the workplace? Because I, I know people run into this too of uh, colleagues. Uh, when colleagues try to be polite or you're not trying to, you know what I mean? When, when, when colleagues just kind of step on your toes and they don't mean to, what do you do with boundaries in those in those cases? Uh,
2: do you, are you sure they don't mean to? No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, that is a tough question because I feel like it is, uh, it's like a case by case basis depending on what, because it's how you're perceiving it doesn't mean that's necessarily happening and vice versa. I'm not saying I'm doubting the person, but I'm saying sometimes you're already triggered in a way by somebody, either your you know, personality is much louder than yours. A lot of it comes down to personality differences. You know, Someone who thinks someone talks too much and in, in a meeting, but then they say this because they wish they talked more. So when I have clients who talk about stuff like that, or even in the workplace, they're talking in the chat box about, well, what do you do about the situation that I say? Well, it always, Jenny said it, it stems from you. You're the only person that can change, right? You' We would love to change somebody else, but it doesn't work that way. What's going on with you that this that you feel like this person is completely overtaking a meeting? Is that something you want to do? <laughs> you know, so I would say things like that, the challenge, and I feel like that's my job to just also challenge to see that change happen. And I would say most of the time people admit, you know what you're right? I, I really think it's because perhaps I feel like I should be doing that. so the boundaries there would be, When someone feels like somebody overstepped their boundaries, I feel like it comes down to their own. I don't have a self worth, but their own introspection of why they feel that way. Well, you know what? It's because they have the job I want. That could be an example, or I wish that I could do it this way, or I'm not doing it this way, or this person doesn't make me feel valued. Uh, So I I do agree with what Jenny was saying about. it. It does come down to your own confidence level and working on that so you can almost weed things out in the way that you that it's necessary for you because again someone might ask me that question and there's no streamlined answer i think because i feel like every situation is different but that's usually the answer i give i'm like well what's going on with you why is this person why does this person make you feel this way yeah you know
1: because sometimes when you feel disrespected with your boundaries it's not actually them too right we talked about that last week where your own boundaries can be too firm because of something else that happened in your past or your life. So we have, uh, two heavy topics left. Which one do you guys want to tackle first family or relationships? Both of those are really fun in our communities, right?
2: <laughs> Let's do family. Okay.
3: By family, do you mean like parents or do you mean nuclear like family? What are uh,
1: doing? I think in, I think the parents pop up the most.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm feeling.
1: I feel like so
0: we've... much to
2: say on that, but I'll let someone else go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like we coexist in both of those a lot of times, right? Whether it's our own nuclear family or like came from, um, kind of there are different dynamics that kind of come into play. I know that uh, Jeannie has alluded to her difficulties in uh, dealing with extended family in the past, um. <clears throat> so, I guess I'll just kind of start off with um, like a brief like thing into boundaries, at, at least based on what I've experienced and how I work with my clients, right? So, I work with a lot of younger families, um, and that means kids under the age of 12 and parents, and so when it comes to those types of families um the boundaries are a little bit different because it's still a very distinct like parent child relationship and there are certain things that as a 12 year old you just don't have the capacity to understand or do um and i think in those certain situations i tend to try to examine which boundaries are justifiable for that age right and given the cultural context um, right? What is okay and what is not okay will vary from family to family just based on upbringing. But a lot of times, what I've noticed is the people who have the most difficulty in that age range are people who aren't consistent with what those boundaries and are. And I think um, when it comes to family, um, it's really important to make sure that those boundaries are consistent because a lot of times when you're interacting with somebody that often you will find that sometimes you give something that you don't really want to or somebody else gives something that they that they don't really want to and then suddenly it becomes an expectation or a habit and I think that when it comes to family it's really about consistency Because anytime that you give and then suddenly like you're like you give it once and then you kinda take it away. I think everybody intrinsically kind of knows this, right? Once you give a kid a certain type of reward, like that there's the expectation that I'm gonna get that again. And usually some of the biggest problems come from not getting the like I did the I did the what you wanted me to do, but this time I didn't get the same reward. How come like that doesn't make sense to me, right? And the biggest upset comes from the fact that I didn't get this level of reward. And so I think it's really important that with any familial relationship that the boundaries are very consistent and very
3: I want to like, speak on that because I think I'm now seeing that as a parent. And it is so hard, like, to be consistent and to be because our our environments and situations are always changing. And so as a parent, sometimes I'm like, no iPad before four o'clock. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I have a meeting. Never mind. We're doing iPad at ten am, right? Like it's just like, so it's it's I, I see the rationale for it, and i I wish it was something that could be so, you know, well designed. But then real life happens. And then you're like, "Uh, I have to make compromises, I have to pick and choose the worst evil, you know. Um, And so I think I I think that could be the ideal. But I think real life is much more gray, and like, you know, nuance. But yes, we try our best to not, you know, to not do iPad before four o'clock. stuff.
0: And I think that's part of it, right? It's like, we need to understand that. These things, like as as much as we try to be consistent, these things like things happen, and we need to adapt to the different situations. So, like <clears throat> when it comes to those like boundaries and like what the expectations are, right? Sometimes there needs to be an adjustment, right? But I think part of it is also just that clear communication of when a boundary is changed or um, crossed, like what the circumstances are for that, right? say, if there's an expectation that, um, say, like, there's an expectation that so-and-so makes dinner on this day, right, but something happens, and they're not able to do that, right, there needs to be um, an ability for people to understand, right, and I'm saying this is in an ideal sense, right, I understand that a whole, a lot of families are not as understand, but if we're talking about like moving forward with healthier boundaries, things to keep in, in mind for the future. If that wasn't your experience, if you're moving forward, there is um, th- these are some tips to like how we can prevent that perpetuation of the um, cyclical boundary that often mm-hmm. lead to a lot of mental health problems for a lot. And so, if you are able to right. I think the research has always shown that an explanation also assists with the understanding of um, understanding of like when lines are I guess boundaries. What am I trying to say? <laughs> Basically, the um, when boundaries are violated and crossed, like an understanding is very um, very helpful to making sure that that doesn't turn into a bigger problem. Um, and so basically what we're trying to say is like, as we move forward, just to identify, like, how can we make sure that even when boundaries are crossed, we can still have um, good, uh, I guess, not so detrimental outcomes. Um, and so yeah,
2: now, I, I was gonna say, uh, uh, I agree with both of you, but I was gonna point out something with boundaries that I have found to be good is when it comes to discipline. So I know depending on the demographic, we're not talking about you being young enough to be disciplined, but when you're consistent in the boundaries of what consequences will look like, and um, you know when you cross a boundary, I guess that's the best word, when you don't listen to your parents or you disobey, whatever, I'm talking little kids, right? Um, then I feel like it is very important to be as consistent with that because you're actually helping your kids develop those healthy boundaries of, of just understanding their own security, their the safety of what's good according to their parents. But I do agree with what Jenny was saying, there's sometimes depending on circumstances, but I don't know if that's necessarily boundaries or just the, the family rules that sometimes need to shift depending on family circumstances, where the boundaries that I see that are healthy or unhealthy in a family have to do with those unspoken rules or the discipline that a parent wants to enforce. And I'm not an expert about it, I'm saying, but based on all the moms and dads that I work with, when I don't see healthy boundaries early on because of discipline, the unhealthy patterns continue into the teenagehood. And by then I'll be, I usually tell them and I freak them out when I say, it's a little late. They're like, what? I go, no, it's not late as in to heal your family and work on conflict, but it's a little late to sit there and." completely say, by the way, junior, you can't do this after not doing that for 10 years. So I do say it has to start early on. Parents are watching that are super young kids and your kids actually develop security, their own sense of security when their boundaries are clear and they're in place. Now I don't mean rigid, but I do mean clear. And sometimes we do, by the way, sometimes we're guilty of it. I'll be rigid, but I'll be like, okay, I'm too rigid. And I think it's important. So I hope if parents are listening, that it's always about choosing to have healthy boundaries. But we're not perfect, so we will sometimes be rigid and meshed and whatever that looks like. But the goal is to make them healthy and clear. But yeah, that's my two cents on discipline. So that that that's me combining what Jenny, Jenny, and Jed both said.
3: I think yeah, something.
1: Oh, sorry. That's why I don't work with blended families because of the difficulties of that having multiple households and just having boundaries all over the place. Yeah. It's just fun.
3: <laughs> I think as a parent, like for when I think about my own kids, though, something that I never got was this idea that I was allowed to set boundaries. Like, generationally, for my parents, it was like, no, you just listen to what we do, what we say. And I wasn't ever really able to say, like, no, I don't want to do this extracurricular or I don't care about this and to say no. And so something that I'm being really intentional about with my own children is my daughter, like we did piano and she just doesn't love it. And right in our generation, I was like, who cares? You just keep going, right? Whereas we're letting her, we let her stop. You know, it got to the point where she was so upset with having to practice and do it, that it was like, she's clearly telling us she does not want to do this. And so part of our If there are healthy limits, then there's room for negotiation. So she can say, I don't want to do this. And we can hear that and say, okay, maybe there's something else out there for you. You know? And so I think breaking those intergenerational issues that Jed was talking about, I think it falls kind of on us to say, Hey, maybe we can do it differently. And encourage that feedback negotiation. Cause that's a skill that they need as adults. Right. If she can't negotiate piano, how is she going to negotiate a promotion one day or,
2: you know, a raise?
3: I think one yeah, of the
2: so traumatic moments are me being forced to practice piano. So I get that. <laughs> Good job, Jenny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that like if we're talking in terms of like attachment styles, right, boundaries are what help people feel secure in their attachment to you because they know what to expect when something happens right and there's no like oh this time this happened but what about next time what about the time after that right um i think having that uh, that's kind of what i was alluding to earlier when i was talking about consistency um it's that it it does kind of help with create creating this stable world for um in this particular circumstance children right um but even as adults right in the relationships that we engage with with our adult parents we can also develop those types of secure stable kind of consistent boundaries that help people to realize hey like you can't come here like this is my space um and i think that the transition to adulthood is always very difficult especially for us as asians right because no matter what we say our parents are always going to be our parents um but what that looks like is going to change as we become adults and start to make decisions and i think i've worked with a lot of um teenagers and young adults who have this transitional problem and i think that's the direction i kind of want to take this right how can we move how can we address these types of familial boundaries and as adults with our parents and what does that look like? Um, I think my thoughts are it looks different for everyone, because everybody's situation is slightly different, right? But it is the same thing in kind of with your children, right? Um, you're creating it's kind of like conditioning in in a certain as in a certain sense, right? This like you learn how to respond when this person says something or other, and that's the thing we're trying to. For us or for our parents, we're trying to teach them like, hey, this is this is the type of response that you're going to get if you cross this boundary. And as adults, it is it can be hard for some of us to advocate for ourselves. Um, And I think that's what Jenny had touched on earlier. That's what kind of therapy is for. Right. We want to empower people to be able to reclaim that voice so that they can start to advocate. And we do a lot of the troubleshooting in the background kind of like this doesn't work. This doesn't work, but we find a way to try to help you to get to that place where you can finally say, Hey, no, I'm saying that this is where the line is drawn. Um, but yeah, what are some of your thoughts about, um, how adult parent relationships kind of look or adult family, adult you know what, you get what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that that has the most applicability within the group, right, of what do you do, especially for our demographic, uh, with parents that are very rigid with their boundaries, um, tend to overstep your boundaries and also have control over your finances, your privacy, all these different aspects when you're living at home or they're paying for your college what do you realistically do in those situations?
2: So we're talking about college students, right? Because yeah. I think that's college a different demographic than young professionals. Or but like talking young professionals students.
0: who are stuck at home, maybe. Yeah. Whatever financial situation, you know?
2: I always, this is just what I say, is that as difficult as it is, because I've also, as an adult child, deal with my own parents, is I, I do my best because you, you have to almost in that sense for them to hear you, think about what what would help them to hear from you, to get what you want. So basically you can't just say the first thing that comes out of your mouth because you know that's just gonna lead to conflict and that's not good for anybody, it's just gonna aggravate you more. So I say, hey, if your parents like talking about how much money that you're making, or it's all about money, then how do you put that in the conversation and start the conversation that way so their ears are at least listening and not defensive because you didn't start by saying, you guys just are control freaks about money. That's just you. You start off with that, and hands down, they won't listen or they'll get upset. But if you start with an I statement, right? You know the typical I statement. Okay, I. Uh, I am working my best. I am working so hard, being at home, saving lots of money to make to be the number one to earn six figures, so that I can provide for my future family. But I would really like blah blah blah. So so I always say start with you know what's going well basically or what what you know your your parent wants to hear and again it's not being some some adult children are like well that sounds so like i'm giving into them i'm i'm not none of that came out of my mouth it's just i'm trying to get you what you want but you also have to manipulate the conversation to go that way because the problem is they won't listen to you you need them to hear you so i'm saying this because i work on it very hard with my own parents i'm like oh my mom wants to hear that their kids are eating well and I'm making them homemade Korean food when I'm not. But I'm like, oh, we just had a good meal. And then th- that's enough to be like, oh, good, you know, for her to stop or, you know what I'm saying? So the perpetuation of that cycle always happens when you start off by saying what you want. I'm just trying to have you say, get what you want, but say the words that they might wanna hear first. Manipulation of the conversation. That's my two cents. Um.
3: I think my thought on, on how to communicate with parents is provided, right, there's assumptions that your parents love you, that they really care for you, that they have your best interest in mind, just only in the way that they see best interest, right, provided those are all true. I think sometimes I start off with this, like, idea of like, I know you're trying to show me that you care about me and you love me by doing X, Y, and Z. For example, like if in-laws or parents say, I don't really agree with the way you're raising your children, right? That those topics, then I may communicate and say, I know you want the best for your grandkids. I know you're just trying to prevent kind of issues later on by bringing this up. However, when you do that, it makes me feel undermined it makes me feel like I've been robbed of my role as a mother, right. And so I think when I, we're able to recognize the intention, then maybe they can see the impact, right, that the behavior, though it is intended well, and to communicate love, actually is kind of hurtful, and cuts me down in a certain sort of way. Um, now, not all parents can hear that, though, and I fully recognize that. Yeah. Um, but I think that when we are able to communicate impact, and I think sometimes we shield our parents from the impact of their behavior because we're like, oh, they're never gonna change. They're never gonna hear me. So what's the point? And when I work with clients, I'm like, the point is if you never communicate, they will never know. So you just continue this cycle for the rest of your life. Now, if you do say something, you open maybe a door. If they love you, they may try with maybe 1% of effort the first time to hear you, right? but it gives you a path through. Otherwise it's just a wall, right? It's just all these assumptions that you have about them and they have about you. That's my two cents.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like that, that intent, right? Um, because sometimes realistically too, it, they don't change, right? They may listen a little bit, but they don't change. And for me, listening to the intent versus the impact sometimes helps me have enough empathy that softens my own emotions about that situation. Right. And I know I talked about it last time. If the situation, if you are unable to change the situation, then something that helps me too is understanding that you become upset when the expectation doesn't meet the reality right so when it's not when it's something like verbal and i'm expecting that behavior already it doesn't surprise me it doesn't upset me as much because then i just go oh that's them being them again right and i can just kind of nod my head smile and walk away and it doesn't sit with me for the rest of the day right like it used to when i was young um and then if the boundaries are in fact Toxic, right? And hurtful. I think a mistake that a lot of uh, adolescents and uh, young college students feel is that there is no other solution, right? They get so focused that there is only one future in front of them. Understand that there are a lot of different scenarios out there. You are just so stuck in your cycle right now that you can't see them, right? Just because someone is paying for your college doesn't mean that you can't get loans or work a second job or take some time off and you know, from school and really do that cost benefit analysis, right? Look at your end game, like Jenny was saying earlier. And just, you know, be creative and think outside of the box when it comes to different options. I think that's that's a really
0: good point, right? I think that part of what we, Part of what we do as therapists is we try to help people see what else is there because oftentimes when we are yeah. experiencing a lot of stress, right, um, whether it's our vi- boundaries being violated over and over again or whatever it is, we start to start we start to feel helpless about our situation. And as a therapist, our goal is to try to help you just to see what you can't see right now. It might be in front of you, but um, I like to think of them kind of like as blinders. Right. When you get so focused on something because it's taking up so much of your um, energy and like your mental, basically, it's it's taking over your focus mentally and emotionally. And it makes it hard to see the alternatives that are there. And so that's kind of what we want to do as a therapist, redirect some of that to give you a space where you feel like you don't have to deal with those stressors at the moment so that we can see alternatives that yeah
1: so yeah definitely um i don't know about you guys but we have gone a considerable amount of time you'll probably have to dedicate uh another video to actual boundaries and talk about romantic relationships in general right because i do think that's a multi-part series in and of itself
0: We'll do, yeah, so I guess Great. we'll take really we'll take like relationships like romantic relationships and turn that into its own series, and there will be a episode on boundaries yeah. within romantic relationships yeah. because we'll, we'll, we'll be sure to hit that soon, yeah, because I mean, even with it, like today's topics, I feel like we could we could create lengthy series and we could go on for hours about yeah. how we yeah. would navigate specific yeah. circumstances and stuff like that. But obviously we don't have the time in one episode to do stuff like that. But um ah. <laughs> so in 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 kind of conclusion, right? Um it really like it really comes down to individual situations. But when it comes to boundaries, I think we can all kind of agree that communication is essential to understanding and establishing boundaries and also and yeah. oftentimes the hardest part is painting of those. Yeah, hopefully we've given you some insight. Uh, we've given you some things to think about, we've given you some uh, hope for some of those or are kind of stuck that it is possible to um create and make healthy boundaries so yeah thank you for joining us and um i believe next week we're going to be talking about self-care self-care Let's do something happy <laughs> yeah because self-care is something that we haven't like given the whole covid situation it kind of like boggles my mind why haven't we talked about this earlier and maybe yeah. maybe this should really just be important. like yeah so, next week we'll talk about self care and what that looks like. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week.
1: Maya.